This episode is brought to you by Evermill. Evermill makes the world's most elegant spice rack that features text-to-refill organic spices in compostable packets, as well as a suite of kitchen products that help you cook so you can focus on sharing meals with the ones you love. This episode is brought to you by Equipped. Equipped is a modern luxury fitness brand that creates stylish, compact, portable, and versatile fitness equipment that will inspire you to move anytime, anywhere, whether you have half a minute or half an hour. Stay tuned for some special offers from our amazing sponsors exclusively for Stairway to CEO listeners later in the show. Hello, everyone. It's Lee Green, and welcome back to the Stairway to CEO podcast. It's my mission to bring you real, honest, and unfiltered interviews with some of the most innovative founders and CEOs from all walks of life. We'll talk about their climb to the top, their stumbles along the way, and the steps they took to get them to where they are. So tune in to get inspired, listen to some real talk, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Lee Green. This is episode 136. And today I sat down with Haley Swartz, the co-founder and co-CEO of Actual Veggies. Available in over 2,000 retail stores nationwide, including Wegmans, CVS, Ralph's, Giant, and The Fresh Market, Actual Veggies is a new food brand reinventing veggie burgers to make them healthy and delicious with naturally colorful patties that taste just like their primary vegetables and have no oils, fillers, or preservatives. Haley and I chat about her childhood growing up in Agora Hills, California, running cross country and biking in the mountains, to working on the advertising team for her school newspaper at the University of Michigan, to working at a startup where she realized that work can actually be fun. We talk about how she met her co-founder Jason in 2020, why they decided to launch Actual Veggies on QVC of all places, and how she fundraised a $4 million seed round during COVID over Zoom. I hope you enjoy this episode, and if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to click subscribe. You can follow us on Spotify, leave us an awesome review, tell your friends, and you can check us out at stairwaytoceo.com. Hey, Lee, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. I'm really excited to hear your story in building actual veggies. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So you're calling from Tribeca in New York City. I'm like, is your background real? Or is that like one of those really nice pictures that they have on Zoom uh, that you can? Yeah. Because <laughs> it's, it's like the... All, the, all the gray and dark buildings and the cloudy day. So I'm wishing I was in LA like you. It's very New York though. You have like the perfect yeah. New York background. I'm like, is that a real yeah. apartment? It's awesome. <laughs> so where are you from originally? Where'd you grow up? Um, I'm actually from LA. So outside LA, I grew oh, really? up. Um, I see. Yeah, I spent my first uh, 18 years there. My parents are still there. Somewhat feel like I'm still have my California spirit well, at least some days. <laughs> Do you think you'll ever come back? Hopefully that's the goal. So yeah, you can't really beat the mountains and beach. So yeah, I know I lived in New York for 10 years and now I feel like I'm almost at the 10 year mark almost in LA. I mean, both great places, right? But LA exactly. has, has an edge with the whole climate and just 
different things you can do lifestyle wise. It's pretty amazing. Exactly. Where in LA did you grow up? I grew up in Oak Park or Agora, which is um, about an hour north of downtown LA, depending on traffic. So not Agora Hills. It is Agora Hills. It is, but that's, I thought that's on the like Thousand Oaks kind of area. Like yeah, Thousand Oaks. Yeah. Because downtown is like super east. Yeah. I've I've been gone for a long time. Oh my so god! Geography, geography is not my strong <laughs> point. Uh, my parents are gonna listen to this and roll their eyes. They're gonna be like, "What happened to her?" Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, so you grew up in Agora Hills. I know where that is because I'm in Woodland Hills. So I don't know if you remember where that is, but it's kind of close yeah, by. So, yeah, of course. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like a great place to grow up. You're kind of like outside the city, but close enough. It's in with within reach, right? Exactly. And like close enough to the beach. So yes, Lots on the west beach. side. Yeah. Just yes. cruise over the hills, but like Malibu Canyon or something. Exactly. Yeah. Amazing. And so what was it like growing up? What kind of kid were you? Um, did you have siblings? What did your parents do? What was life like yeah. in Agora Hills? Yeah. So I, um, I was on the running team. I was into school. Um, like cross country? Sort of like cross country. Oh, wow. Yeah. Super fun. Um, spent a lot. I think we went every weekend to the beach. We were uh, hiking or biking in the mountains, so super active. I can't, you know, it's just like the best place to grow up as a child, always doing things and being outdoors all year round. So that was really fun. I have one brother who's one of my co-founders now, actually. And my dad is an outsourced CFO. So he actually does our accounting because he was scared um, at the beginning of the business. And um, my mom is a stay-at-home mom, I guess, at this point. Okay. Did she work when you were younger or was she stay-at-home taking care of you guys? Yeah, she actually worked for Nordstrom's and then she was a travel agent. Um, so she was working, but also very present in our life as well. Yeah. Tough balance moms have. Tough balance. Amazing. So that's convenient. Your dad's a CFO. <laughs> yeah, it's very convenient. <laughs> Most important and least paid on our team right now. So that's funny. And so when you were growing up, looking back, were you entrepreneurial in any way? Like, do you look back and say, hmm, that was kind of like entrepreneurial of me to do that? No, it wasn't at all. Um, I was pretty by the books. I was good at school without really trying. I didn't really take risk. I saved all my money. I was always working, so it was important to me to work, but yeah, I always thought I would just, you know, go do the normal boring, like corporate route and sort of did that until this job. So, right. So what was, what were a few of your like very first jobs? I guess, well, let's see. In in high school, I actually worked at Chuck E. Cheese, which is That's really, amazing. Really I love how funny. you're laughing. Like you almost didn't want to say it. <laughs> exactly. It's like embarrassing moment as well. Like uh, tied into one. Um, well, and why? Then I, why is that embarrassing? I mean, it was probably a good gig back in the day. It was a good, you know what? I, we got a lot of tips and we got to run around and dance and play. And you Did know, you have to wear a costume when you danced? I didn't have to wear a costume, no. Oh, okay. But it was like sort of in between a waitress and handling the birthday parties. So around all the kids, which was fun. And then in college, I worked for the Michigan Daily. Or I went to University of Michigan. So I worked for a school newspaper. And then my first job out of college was for AOL, actually. And what were you doing with AOL? What made you want to work there as your kind of first job out of school? 
So I graduated in 2008 and I actually lost my job, my first job before I even started. Um, they were doing massive layoffs at the time. And I had worked on the school when I worked for the Michigan daily, I was on the advertising team and working, selling ads online. So AOL at the time, that was just a new part of their business or a newer team. And, um, it, it just made sense. So it was a great segue into, and actually, even though AOL is like very old school, it was a really fun place to work, um, right after college. What made it so fun? And what were some of the things that you learned? Cause it looks like you were there for almost seven years, right? So you had a bunch of different roles and, you know, looking back on that experience, how did that help shape you to kind of prepare you for entrepreneur life? Yeah. So I felt like AOL, there was a lot of opportunity to try and make it revive the brand. And with that, there was a lot of, we had just acquired Huffington Post. There's a lot of young people around and we could really do whatever you wanted and have, as if you had a good idea, you're really, you had people who would listen to you and a lot of resources to execute it. There was also a ton of change all the time, layoffs, restructuring, uh, merging of groups. So everything was always changing and you just had to be really flexible. You're also touching a lot of different people um, in, in the roles I had later in my career at AOL. Um, I moved into consumer-facing brands and I was working across teams, whether that's the advertising teams, um, the tech teams, the marketing teams. I was working with everyone and I, that's definitely something I like and, you know, all every day doing something different and working with different people, which definitely transfers to this role. Yeah. Wearing lots of hats. And so what made you leave AOL? What happened and, and what job did you have after that? So after AOL, I wanted to be at a startup. I was, I was getting more involved in the startup community here in New York, which is very vibrant. And I went to this company called Evolution that helped large corporations work with early stage startups. It was super cool because I got to see how like, get to talk to startup founders all day long, every day, and then see how the big, the problems of bigger companies and how much less nimble they could be in coming, even with a new idea or solving a new, a problem, they didn't have the capabilities to solve it quickly, like startups, because it was just the organizations were so big. That role at evolution is that where you were like, because I remember my first time in working with entrepreneurs, I worked at Launchpad, which was a top accelerator in LA at the time. Yeah. And yeah. I remember being there being like, oh my gosh, these entrepreneurs, I'm just like them. This is totally who I am. Wow. I, it just kind of opened up my eyes to realize I've been an entrepreneur probably my whole life. And this was, and just seeing and, and being around them all the time made me kind of open up that door and realize that about myself. Did you experience that at all when you were, you know, working with these startup founders day in and day out? I just saw that everyone was having a lot of fun. And I think it really opened my eyes into this idea that you like work could be fun. And when you're passionate about it and when you're doing something that you loved and it hours stopped like mattering. And it was more like, Hey, like, this is just like a really cool life. And that was something that was interesting to me. I also liked the communal aspect of it. Like everyone was like, seemed like they're in it together, a lot of hope and optimism. So that was all 
very interesting. You said something really interesting just now. You said you realized and learned that work could be fun. Where, when in your life did you start believing that work wasn't supposed to be fun? I can just actually say that now is the first time that work is fun for me. So when did you um, think uh, that like work wasn't supposed to be fun? Work is work. Like, is that something you grew up with? Is that something that you just thought was impossible? Yeah, I guess I always thought it was impossible. Um, I wouldn't say that like I hated my jobs like before this, but it definitely was like excited for the weekend to come or the end of the day. Now I don't really worry about Monday. It's I, I sort of get excited as cliche as that is. I find it really interesting because I feel like did this come from your parents in some way or like at what point? were you thinking that work wasn't supposed to be fun, right? Because some founders I've had on the show, like they've had maybe entrepreneurial parents and they always thought that work should be fun from a very early age. I always thought that like I should enjoy it because I saw a lot of my friends and people around me, like I know my dad will work the rest of his life enjoying it. I just didn't think, I didn't think I was necessarily in the right role for me. And I didn't know how to get to that right role. I see. So you weren't sure if you would find what was right for you to exactly. have fun with. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. And like to say, like, I wasn't like miserable every right. day. It's just, um, you know, I wasn't, I don't think I was working off my best skill set before this. So, right. It's interesting. I think there's a lot of people out there that feel similar or lost. Like, what am I supposed to be doing? Where's my passion? What's my passion? I want to be happy and super excited to wake up on Monday morning too. And I think a lot of people struggle with that and trying to figure that out. It's tough. Yeah. I I didn't think I would ever figure it out. And so I'm very happy to be here. There's hope people. There's hope. (laughs) (laughs) And so after evolution, you worked at open sky yeah, Open Sky is actually so I joined a team at Open Sky that was acquired by Alibaba. And I a hundred since the when I started at Open Sky, I was working with Alibaba as a essentially a consultant for Alibaba. We eventually became the team that started Alibaba North America. And it was a really interesting and challenging experience. I'm basically opening up the North America office for Alibaba B2B. The exciting part was also, it was a startup in itself and a big company. We were working cross-culturally with China, which is really hard, but also exciting. But at the same time, I was also meeting a lot of entrepreneurs and small businesses who also had these ideas and were using Alibaba to make them into real products and then be able to sell them. So again, kind of working with more startup founders, maybe starting to get the itch. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. And so what did you get the itch to do? So I just sort of knew that I wanted to be my own boss. I liked, like I said, I think I liked hearing people who got to do so many different things all day long and I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I actually was just talking to a ton of people who had ideas and saying, Hey, like I I'm used to wearing a lot of hats. I'm not used to working hard. If you're doing something, let me know. So, okay. And what transpired from that? So there was a few other things that came up that I don't no longer do anymore. But basically, I met my friend Jason, who's my co-founder and co-CEO. In like, 
I think it was in February, 2020. And he presented this idea to me, which was to create actual veggies. I don't know if I should go into it right now, but I'll just tell you that like, he basically was like, I think you'd be a great co-founder for me. I'm looking for someone to help bring this to life. And he sort of had this concept mapped out. And I thought it was really interesting. I thought there was a white space for it. It was something, a, pro- a product I could believe in. And I just said, yes, pretty much like right on the spot. Well, so how long did you guys, how long were you guys friends? How did you meet? And then how long did you kind of talk or like get to know each other? And then when did this like, hey, I have this idea. You're the perfect person for me to do this with. Yeah. So we weren't that good of friends. Um, we were like, I went to University of Michigan and he's from Michigan. Did you meet in college? No, no, no. He's just, yeah, we just had mutual friends. And then he, we had met up, I think it was in December, 2019. He didn't, we just uh, caught up over coffee. And then we, in, it was like February, 2020, he called me and said he had this idea. So it is sort of crazy because like we weren't, we were friends. We weren't good friends. So it's crazy that now we've been doing this for two and a half years together along with my brother. So it's just really crazy. Yeah. And so why did he think you would be the best person to partner with? Was he like, here's my complimentary skill set. Here's yours. Or like, did you guys take personality tests or how did you kind of validate that this was going to be a good fit? Well, it's funny because I think it was a little bit of luck and random and um, because we definitely are extremely different, but me coming from like a corporate background and then also like working with a lot of startups and founders was important to him. He's always run his own business, but not a little bit more removed from the startup community in New York. And I think he was just looking for someone he thought was smart and hardworking. So not too much science for it, but it's sort of crazy looking back how complementary our skill sets are to each other. And so what are the different skill sets? Like what's yours? What's his? He's a huge visionary. He thinks way too big, way too big sometimes. Um, he's always thinking of the next product. He's, he's, you know, always, he's a yes person. He wants to say yes to everything. He wants to grow as quickly as possible. He has the vision. I'm a very careful and safe person. I like to vet the opportunities. I like to move slowly. I like to save money. I am a people person. I wouldn't say he's not a people person, but maybe like I'm definitely a relationship person. He's definitely like likes to do decks and Excel. So all of those things. That's interesting. That's an interesting mix. Yeah. You guys should maybe take that disc assessment. Have you heard of the disc? Assessment? Uh-uh, no, you should look it up. It's really good. It's okay, so in depth. I recently down. did it. I'm working with this coach and she was like, you should do- take this disc assessment. I've done a ton of tests and I like those. I think it's fun. But um, yeah, this one is, it's great. It tells you so much. And it also tells you how you can communicate well with each other and why well, it can probably help. Yeah, it definitely Instead helps. Of the passive aggressive, I'm not talking to you for the day. <laughs> oh yeah, that's not good. Yeah, you need to no, know how to communicate. But I think because everybody has different personalities, the way we approach each other can be adjusted to better get through to that person, right? Because you're kind of more speaking their language in a way. I know for me, like I'm a very like dominant person. Uh, I'm high on the D and I, if anyone listening is uh, familiar with the DISC assessment, you're probably high on the C, which I think is like uh, analytical and accurate. And uh, my husband's a little higher than that for sure than I am on that. 
Um, but it's interesting because it just kind of shows your different personalities and your skill sets and kind of explains, like gives you a little bit of a why you are the way you are, which is fun. So interesting. It's really interesting. And the communication piece is interesting too, but. Yeah, definitely needed. Yeah. So check it out. So you, you, you know, kind of sounds like you didn't know Jason very long until he was like, Hey, I've got this idea. And knowing your personality, what did you do to kind of validate whether or not this was a good idea to pursue with him? Yeah. So I will say at that time, I saw very, very rare little risk. And um, I had quit Alibaba and I was consulting and I was, I was actually saying yes to everything. And I was just sort of like not dedicating too much time to it. So I basically, I mean, he had put together a lot of information I actually have an uncle who's in the veggie burger space. So I got to talk to him. So that was good. But other than that, I was just sort of like, I was open to sort of trying as many things as possible. And this one just sort of stuck. So and now we're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. When was the last time you looked in your spice drawer? If you're like me, you probably have to look at it every time you cook, which is a lot. And it looks like a complete disaster. Different size seasonings, different brands. It's a mess and totally uninspiring. That's until I discovered Evermill, the most beautiful and inspiring spice rack I've ever seen. And it looks gorgeous both on your countertop for everyone to see and compliment, or it looks great in your spice drawer too. Not to mention, they send you refills in compostable packets that you can get to delivered straight to your door simply by sending a text message. So if you're looking for an amazing gift idea, you have to check it out. They also just released two new products, a white marble salt well and an aluminum pepper mill, perfect for the person who you think has everything. You can get 15% off by using the promo code stairway15 on evermill.com. That's 15% off site-wide for the first time ever using the code stairway15 at evermill.com. Do you struggle to find time to go to the gym or even just work out at home somehow? What about the ugly weights you're probably hiding in your closet or under your bed? Out of sight, out of mind, am I right? Meet Equipped, a female-founded luxury fitness brand with a no-pressure approach to movement that creates gorgeous weights that look so good, you can place their U-shaped weight called the U-bar on your coffee table and your friends will probably think it's a new art piece. Or if you're on the go, just throw on their U-wrap super stylish vegan leather ankle weights so that you can get a little workout in while running your errands in style. Featured in everything from Vogue to the Financial Times, Equipped makes it easier to move through life. And if you're looking for a great gift idea this holiday season, you can get 20% off on EquippedMovement.com using the promo code STAIRWAY20. That's 20% off luxury fitness equipment using the code STAIRWAY20 on EquippedMovement.com. Thank you so much to our amazing sponsors. I hope you're able to take advantage of these exclusive deals designed just for you. Now let's get back to the show. The veggie burger space, maybe you, you can help me kind of navigate that. I'm a vegetarian, so I really like the veggie burgers out there. There's not a lot of options though. And I think I was mentioning this to you earlier, 
especially for kids. Like I'm, I think every parent is looking to find new ways to shove veggies down their kids' throats, right? It's so hard to get them to actually eat the veggies by themselves. So putting them in something, whether it's a burger or like, I've been doing these spinach pancakes. It's like anything you just like, how do I get veggies into it? The veggie burgers out there for kids. There's only one brand I know of, and they're horrible, horrible. Like I said, they're just stuffed with onions. And who does that to kids, right? I don't know. It just blows my mind that there's only one brand that does this and they do a horrible job. And I've always, every time I'm shopping, I'm like, when is there going to be better options? That's a veggie burger out there. Right. Yeah. No, we are, we're, we're non-GMO. We're not organic either, but um, we are non-GMO. So what makes your veggie burgers different than the other ones out there? So, yeah. So we make veggie burgers that are all thick cut filling and naturally colorful. Um, we have four veggie burgers now that are, that we have out the actual black burger, which is black bean, the actual orange, which is sweet potato, the actual green one, that's kale and broccoli and the actual, what did I miss? The actual purple, purple. That's feet. Thank you. (laughs) And, um, yeah, so they all taste like their primary ingredients We're really highlighting the taste of the veggies and they're, they're, they're quarter pound, which like you said, might be too big for kids but uh, the thick cut veggie burger, they can be, you can put them in the refrigerator or the freezer unlike other veggie burgers. And they just have no oils. They have no fillers, no preservatives. They all taste like their primary ingredients. So what we're doing is making a clean, really good tasting veggie burger. I love the colors. The colors are really cool. I've tried all of them. They're gone. They're all really, really good. Even though they're thicker, I'm, you know, my kid is like a year and a half, so he's fine. He can, he can eat it. It's, they're really, really good. And it's like the only type of burger other than one other brand that I, again, I'm not like thrilled about because the amount of garlic and like onions, (laughs) this is the only brand I've found that is actually, I think like better for kids. Yeah. So when are you going to start doing dinosaur shapes? it's on the list Jason's probably already made them (laughs) I love it the mom groups are I think like probably one of the easiest target markets to target yeah I I know they just spread news like if they like something everybody will hear about it in seconds yes no I it's definitely high up on the list of the next of the next thing we need to do and so what did you, did you launch with these four flavors, like right out of the get-go and how has it been? Like, how did you guys kind of a get to market and B after you were in market kind of, what did you do to validate the concept? Yeah. So like I said, we started the company together in March, 2020, we joined in a, a plant-based accelerator. So we were able to raise that gave us a little bit of cash, um, to get the business off the ground. Which one was that? The, which plant-based accelerator? Um, Big idea ventures, Cool. big idea ventures. And yeah. So I don't know if you know them. And then we basically, we actually, our launch was on QVC, which is funny. That's crazy. Yeah. So QVC, we thought it was a good way to launch because it helped us, you know, ship a big order and work with our co-packer and then. From QVC, we sort of were off to the races in 2021. Uh, we work with a lot of the online retailers, um, Hungry Room and Imperfect Foods were two of our first accounts. And then, you know, today we're in 2000 retail doors. Like which ones? So we're in Wegmans, the Fresh Market. We're launching in like any day now in um, Kroger locations, including Ralph's in California, Mariano's, um, King Super's. 
and then some of the actual uh, Kroger banners. That's awesome. And so QVC, I have not had anyone launch on QVC, I think on the show. I think that's really, especially a food brand. Yeah. How did that come about? And why did you just get inbound interest or someone had a connection there? Like how did, how and why did QVC be the first place to launch? Yeah. So we had a, a QVC broker who reached out to us and thought we would be good for the show. And like I said, it was a great place to start because there it's a large sum. You're reaching a large amount of people still. It's 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 free marketing, to be honest. You don't make a ton of you don't make really any money doing QVC, but it's it's a great touch point to reach so many. I would say I don't actually don't know how many people watch it, but I would say at least a million people are watching the show. That's great. And so did you guys sell out or what was the result? We, we did. We did sell out. Um, so that was really exciting. It was our first show and we did like, we did, a, I forget how many orders, but it was, we sold out through our inventory and we're like, okay, we're on to something. But yeah, yeah, it was definitely stressful that like first order, making sure that we can fill it and everything and do everything right. And it, it, we went sort of from like zero to nothing pretty quickly. Exactly. And did you guys have kind of a PR strategy in place following that? Or what did you do to kind of continue the momentum? So PR is still, we've always like, we. it's it's challenging because we wanted to wait until our big marketing efforts until everyone has access to our burgers. So um, we've really been focusing on um, supporting the online retailer. Uh, e e so um, Imperfect, Hungry Root, Fresh Direct, Purple Carrot, Blue Apron, sure I'm missing some those we support their their sites really well and then we like I said we were just working on uh, our retail strategy is mostly our focus you'll see some big PR pushes for us when we launch in Kroger oh, I see so interesting so instead of like hey we're just gonna blast and be kind of like well so you weren't selling online direct by at that point because I'm thinking why not do the PR if you have if you can sell online on your site we were selling direct, but remember this is during the high like of times of COVID and it was really hard to ship product frozen and there was a ton of delays and everything. So it just, it was too expensive and just also really unreliable. Like a lot of packages were being lost. I see. Okay. So then you're like, all right, let's just focus on retailers and, and take it from there and then increase. Yeah. PR so it's, as, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right now it's all about supporting our um, accounts in store as much as possible. We do have a bunch of investors who are influencers are very connected in our target markets and who will help us um, spread the word once we're launching in Kroger. You guys raised around $4 million. Tell us about the fundraising process. What were some of the challenges that you faced in fundraising? What was it like? Because this is your first time fundraising, right? Yeah, so fundraising was... I guess I, I, in certain certain ways it was fun. It was interesting because it was during COVID. Our first, actually, I think actually every single one of our investments have been like done over Zoom, which is sort of crazy. And that's definitely something that's transitioned. But we also didn't know what it was like before because we didn't start raising money really until I guess like twenty twenty one. Um, besides our from our accelerator. People are excited. They 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 see the opportunity. You know, when there's, I think everyone's trying to eat less meat and more vegetables. And there's really, like you said, there's not great veggie burgers out there. Um, that 
create clean, delicious products. So they definitely see the opportunity for us. And it was just something with our early success, it was easy, easier to get the conversations going. We've been really lucky because we have a lot of people on our cap table. And I know some people say, oh, just try to raise from a few. It's really created a really nice community of people that we can reach out to for when we need help. And how did you find these investors? It sounds like a lot of them maybe were influencers. How did you tap into that? Yeah. So, I, I mean, it was a combination of connections and then you know, from our accelerator, they, you know, made introductions as well. And then just going to events here in New York. And then now that we have this like community of investors, their, their connections and everyone just, you know, spreading the word that way. So. And so when you say events, you know, there's a bunch of different types of events. I'm sure it sounds like you guys have explored a lot of them. What are some of the most impactful events that if you're a food brand, you should really be considering attending or showcasing your product at? So events for meeting investors or meeting retailers? I think both. Anyone listening, building a brand is like, tell me more. (laughs) Yeah. So I think Expo East and Expo West are obviously the big ones. And they're just, I mean, they're tiring, but they're super fun. You're seeing everyone, you know, from the industry there buyers, investors, other brands. And it's just a great way to just see and touch everyone, especially when more stuff is done over Zoom and people aren't going in in in-person meetings. So to me, that's been like the best thing. You know, if there's a show here in New York, I'm going to go to that. I'm part of uh, Startup CPG. I'm part of Naturally New York. Whenever founders are getting together, I try to join and, you know, just make friends with other founders. I think that's been like a really big thing for me is just expanding my network in this space because I didn't come from the CPG space before. Great. And so what's happening now? You've got the launch coming up with Kroger. Are you guys raising another round soon? How's the team shaping up? Where are you guys at with that? Yeah, so it's really exciting. We, like you said, the biggest thing is launching with Kroger and that should be happening like the end of the month. And all hands are on deck with that, Uh, making sure the product looks good or gets to the shelves, looks good on the shelves, sells on the shelf. We're all, we're all supporting that. I think that's by far the biggest thing that's happening this year. On the other side, we've just hired our, so we have four people. We just hired an additional person on our team that we're super excited about. We're thinking through our forecast for the next year and who else we can bring on the team that our next product launches and who we're going to be launching them with. So just like a lot of things, I would say like we're, we're growing up a little bit, which is exciting and challenging, you know, putting processes in place and growing the team from being just like the founders to, you know, more folks. How do you think you've had to grow as a leader and a founder personally? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing is having confidence in my own decisions, especially not coming from the space. It's really easy to doubt yourself and trying to ask a million people to help you make decisions. I think it's important to have like one or two advisors you can go to, but really you also have to be able to trust your gut. And I think the other thing is just building those relationships. That's something I've always done and I enjoy doing, but like I always put the the personal relationship first. Yeah. I think, like I said, the biggest thing is trusting myself. Yeah. That is probably one of the most underrated things I think about being an entrepreneur is trusting in yourself that you actually know more than you think, you know, 
I think exactly. that, you know, founders, they want to, you know, be coachable and adaptable and listen and learn and all these things. And we're so eager to be good at what we're doing and build a great successful company. And I think we're always looking at for outside advice from the experts, from these people that we admire and think have all the answers. But really, I think most of the time, the founder has the answer already. Yep. And I think once you make a decision, just like sticking with it and doubling down, I think is really important because like, it's just easy to second guess yourself and you're never going to get everything right. Um, You just have to like execute on the plan you put in place. And having, you know, an advisors or investors might question that decision and that can lead to that second guessing like, oh, did I make the right choice? You know, I don't know if I did or not, but you're right. Believing in that and and continuing to follow that path is super important because I think you know, when people question you, it's more about learning why rather than trying to persuade you to change your mind. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that can be confusing when people are questioning you. (laughs) So what are some of the things that you didn't see coming? You know, like what are some of the things that you didn't realize about building a business that you kind of look back on and you're like, well, if I wish I would have known that. I guess like not trusting too many people. I think it's important to, like I said, not just jump into relationships too quickly, get get referrals, get references, do test trials with people. You mean in terms of hiring? Um, hiring or like even consultants and bringing on like folks to help you with the job. The other thing is making sure you don't spread too thin too fast. So really want to focus on a few core markets and and prove your um, hypothesis before you continue to scale. Yes. And you guys did that, you believe, through the QVC experience. Was that kind of your ultimate test? Yeah. I mean, I think right now we've been doing that with Fresh Market and Wegmans. Um, those have been our, our core accounts that we're focusing on, continuing to optimize those and, and think through how we launch with other stores. Well, before we wrap up here, I'm, you know, I love the brand. I love the product. It tastes really good. There are actual veggies in there. Shocking, um, (laughs) given the name, but it's cool to be able to actually see the veggies. It's not like all mushed up where it's just a mush patty, right? Like there's a lot of mush patties out there. So it's nice to see the actual, you know, ingredients, I think in your veggie burgers. So if you're tuning in, you got to go check it out, actualveggies.com. And so before we wrap up, what's the grand vision for the company? Like what's next? Obviously we know Kroger's coming soon, but what's the big vision for this business? And what final advice do you have for entrepreneurs tuning in? Yeah, so the overall vision is to celebrate like actual foods and veggies. So not just being a burger company, which is a huge space, but like thinking through any product that can be made with vegetables and actually taste like vegetables. And we're not trying to taste like something we're not. So if we're going to make something with beets, you're going to taste the beets. If we're going to make something with mushrooms, you're going to taste the mushrooms, but all about celebrating those natural flavors that come from the ground. Um, That's where we're going. So definitely be new products that come out. um, Like I said, not just in the burger space. And then like for being an entrepreneur and, you know, taking, trying something new. I think just doing something is really important. I I see people just get scared of like how they start. And I think just actually like putting one foot foot forward, um, it really helps. This is like really cliche, but I don't know if it's cliche, but having co-founders is awesome. It's really important. That keeps you from 
getting in that point where you feel like you can't get go forward, I, I strongly recommend doing things with a co-founder. Yeah. That, and co-founder always sounds nice to me because I was a solo founder and I'm like, yeah, I wonder what that was like. Well, you know, what, what could have that felt like to actually have like a sparring partner? That would be, that sounds pretty good. I, I would second, that's probably a good idea. Yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little tough. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Haley, for joining us on the show. Um, wishing you the best of luck with this awesome company. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Stairway to CEO podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Lee Green. And if you have any burning business questions, please feel free to reach us at www.stairwaytoceo.com. We'd love to hear from you. And if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe to the show, tell your friends, leave us a review and follow us on Instagram at Stairway to CEO. Until next time, guys, keep on climbing.